good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay, and I wanted to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thought I'd drop in and talk about that for a few minutes because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I always have a fantastic meal. Um, I've spoken at length about how much I enjoyed roasted turkey, and I've wondered why I don't prepare that more often since turkeys are pretty cheap and it's easy to fix. And I don't know why I limit myself to eating that twice a year, but for whatever reason, that's how it always works out. So I always look forward to Thanksgiving dinner. I'm also a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, and I love getting to watch them on Thanksgiving. If for no other reason, they generally do pretty well on Thanksgiving Day. Even the years that they're just absolutely terrible, a lot of times they'll pull out a win. As they sit right now, they're Record is 33 wins, 22 losses, and one tie on Thanksgiving Day games. So more often than not, I get to watch them win a football game, and I'm sitting there basically in a food coma from all the food I ate and the delicious turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and gravy. It's just all fantastic. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving because I have come across some kind of odd things that a lot of people haven't heard. And I wanted to share a few little interesting facts about Thanksgiving to get everybody in the mood before they sit down and eat. And then we watch the Dallas Cowboys pound away on the Washington Commanders. And let's start off with the fact, I'm sure a lot of you noticed that I used Jingle Bells as my bumper music today. I assure you, I have not gone insane. There's a reason that I chose that. I'm not just confused about what holiday this day is. And the reason I chose that is because that is was never intended to be a Christmas carol. It's morphed into that, obviously. But when it was first written, it was written to be sung at Thanksgiving. And there's pretty good reason to to believe that the person that wrote this intended it to be a drinking song that people could sing in taverns. Uh, But that song was copyrighted on September the 16th of 1857. It was written by James Lord Pierpoint. And there's a little bit of question about where he wrote this song, but it's it's pretty strongly believed that it was Medford, Massachusetts that he wrote this song. Uh, Medford, Massachusetts and that surrounding area had kind of a cottage industry of doing sleigh races. And there were actually a lot of songs coming out of that area that dealt with horse-drawn sleighs and, and this, this racing culture that had grown up. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of the Lines from One Horse Open Sleigh are lifted from other popular sleigh songs. So so the writer kind of was doing a little copyright infringement or or sampling, as they say, in the music industry. Uh, But it was written by James Lord Pierpoint, who is the uncle of J.P. Morgan. That's an interesting little fact that that doesn't get thrown around a lot. Maybe J.P. Morgan wasn't particularly proud that he had a drunken uncle that was making money by ripping off drinking songs and passing them off as his own. But that is the reason that I was playing Jingle Bells, or more accurately, One Horse Open Sleigh. That was the original title. Now, if you listen to the words, it never specifically mentions any holiday. And as this song got popular, and it's all about cold weather and riding in a horse-drawn sleigh, which you would do in the snow. People started singing it at Christmas time, and the popularity just continued to swell, and it has, over the years, become associated with Christmas. Uh, But that song was never intended to be a Christmas carol. It's supposed to be sung at Thanksgiving. So when you're driving to your family's house tomorrow for dinner, 
blast this song as you're going down the road. You'll look like a maniac, but you're actually being true to the spirit of the holiday. And there aren't really a lot of Thanksgiving songs. The only other one I can think off the top of my head is Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie. And that one really doesn't deal with Thanksgiving very much, except for the fact that twice in that 18 minute long song, he mentions that they went to Alice's house and had a Thanksgiving dinner that couldn't be beat. But I will listen to that song tomorrow, by the way. And speaking of being true to the spirit of the holiday, we always do a very traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Like I said, we have turkey. Sometimes we'll have a ham in addition, but we always have a turkey and we have mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and green bean casserole and anything that you can think of Norman Rockwell painting for a Thanksgiving dinner is kind of what we eat. But all those foods are a modern tradition. Um, It's kind of odd how many people just assume that we eat the same things that the pilgrims and the Indians ate at the first Thanksgiving in 1861. But if you really stop and think about it, it should not come as a big surprise to anybody that people 400 years ago did not eat the same thing that we eat today. And let's start off with the big one, because they probably did not eat turkey at the first Thanksgiving. Turkeys were plentiful in America at that time. There's still a lot of turkeys. I see them pretty often just driving around. Hell, right here in town, I'll see turkeys, but... The Native Americans did hunt and eat turkeys, so did the pilgrims, but in any of the descriptions of that first Thanksgiving that we have, letters that were written to people, you know, they didn't have a a scribe there taking notes like it was a a committee meeting or something, but but we do have several letters where people would describe the, the dinner to friends and family that they had sent letters to, and nobody has ever mentioned or found any mention of a large roasted bird at the first Thanksgiving. Staples, the everyday diet at that time, it would have been turkey. Plymouth, Massachusetts is right on the coast, so there was a duck, geese, a lot of waterfowl, pheasants. They did eat a lot of uh, game birds, but there's no mention of a turkey being at that at that dinner. Another thing that you wouldn't have found at the first Thanksgiving is cranberry sauce. Now, again, the Native Americans did harvest and consume wild cranberries. Uh, They also used cranberries to dye clothing. But the pilgrims had run out of sugar. And if you've ever eaten just straight cranberries, they are extremely sour. And the cranberry sauce that you buy and or if you make your own Most recipes call for a cup of sugar to go into it to make it give it that sweet relish flavor. And the pilgrims did not have any sugar to add to the cranberries. So there was no cranberry sauce at that dinner. Uh, Ditto for pumpkin pie. Again, for the same reason as the cranberries, there's no sugar. Also, they really didn't have ovens. So baking things would have been a pretty tall order. Now, they did eat pumpkins at that dinner, but it would have been prepared like a vegetable, like a like a gourd or a squash. Uh, But they did eat pumpkins, but uh, pumpkin pies really weren't a thing back then. So no pumpkin pie. One of the things that we know was there that we don't ever think about with Thanksgiving at at this point in time is uh, venison. They had uh, deer meat at the first Thanksgiving, and I'm on board with that because if you've ever had venison, it is delicious. It really tastes good. I, uh, I need to get back into hunting. I need to find somewhere to go. Maybe I can bring that tradition back to life because I certainly would not turn down a deer roast on, on tomorrow's dinner. Nor would I turn down some of the proteins that they did have in a great abundance in that, 
in that period, like I said, Plymouth, Massachusetts is right on the coast of the Cape Cod Bay. Uh, so there was a lot of mussels, oysters, lobster. It's crazy to think of people just eating lobster. We think of that as so highfalutin, but lobster used to be insanely plentiful in the Northeast. Uh, people considered it poor people's food. They actually say that at this time and well into the 19th and probably into the early 20th century, uh, after a big storm, if you could just walk down the beach, there'd be piles of lobster that the storm and the waves and the wind would push out of the water. The, the beach would just be littered with lobster laying there. So we know that they had lobster, they had mussels and oysters, uh, they had a lot of fish. It was a very seafood-heavy meal, which is what you would expect if people living on the coast. You're going to have a lot of fish at your dinner. Like I said, I I absolutely love the traditional American Thanksgiving dinner, the the turkey and everything that goes with it. And I don't want to give that up. I, I love that stuff. I look forward to it all year long. But all the seafood and the venison and none of that would upset me if somebody set a plate dead in front of me. Maybe we can start a pre-Thanksgiving dinner where we have the traditional seafood and venison and you pay homage to the original pilgrims and the Indians that started this tradition. And then we could have the modern American dinner on the day of Thanksgiving. That sounds like a a tradition I could get behind. I think we should uh, start campaigning for that. But I've got just one more little tidbit here for you before we wrap this thing up and I let you get on with your revelries. We're talking about changing traditions, you know, obviously, you know, food changes from century to century. That's that's something we all expect, but I found a tradition that goes back to the turn of the ninth or the 20th century actually, early 1900s through to about 1910 that I'd never seen anybody talk about and it's kind of bizarre. But it's also it sounds like kind of fun and I don't understand how this didn't continue on through the years. But there was a stretch of about 10 years in this country's history where a big part of people's Thanksgiving celebrations where they would dress up in costume, they would go out, you know, the parties would kind of spill out onto the street and everybody would just walk around in costumes and play pranks on each other. You know, a big one was throwing confetti on strangers as they walked past. Uh, People would also throw flour on strangers, which that seems a little mean-spirited to call that a prank. I mean, I mean, confetti's annoying, but you can get it off of you fairly easily. Somebody hits you with a big handful of flour. I mean, that's going to go everywhere. You can't get it out of your clothes. You can't get it out of your hair. That would that would kind of guarantee that you're going to the dry cleaners and taking a long shower. So I don't know that I've really put dousing a stranger in flour as just kind of a prank. That, that seems a little a bit of a jerk thing to do. But as I say, for about a decade, that was a a big part of the Thanksgiving celebration, particularly in the bigger cities, New York, Chicago. Maybe that wasn't as prevalent in the rural areas, but after about a decade, it's like that just stopped. I don't I don't know if it was World War One put a damper on things or I don't know. But but there was about a 10 year period that the companies that produced masks in this country their sales in November were much higher than they were in October. Now, I'm sure part of that is Halloween wasn't always anywhere near the big deal that it is now. Plus, it was almost exclusively for children, and a lot of people at that time would just make a costume. But there were companies that produced 
costumes and masks even back in the 19, 1910s. And although I'm sure that they did do good sales in October, that was just a, a little taste of what was to come when their big moneymaker month hit. And that was the month of November because everybody ran out and bought a mask so they could go raise a little bit of hell on Thanksgiving Day. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all I've got for you today. I just wanted to stop in real quick and say happy Thanksgiving. I hope everybody has a wonderful time tomorrow and gets to see friends and family and you have a good time. And, you know, a lot of people, very health conscious, they they feel like they overeat on Thanksgiving. They feel guilty and they beat themselves up. Don't do that. It's a holiday. Enjoy yourself. Have a good meal and have a good time. And don't worry about what one meal is going to do if you're on a diet or something. There is a nutritionist named Vinnie Tortorich. I was listening to an interview on a podcast with him. Somebody had called in and said, you know, I'm, I'm on a diet. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm worried about falling off the wagon for the holidays. What kind of things can I eat that'll be good for me that I can enjoy that's not going to ruin my diet? And Mr. Tortorich told this individual, just eat and have a good time. I don't care what you eat from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day. What's going to affect your health is what you eat from New Year's Day to Thanksgiving. So go out there, eat, drink, and be merry. Have a wonderful day. Be safe. And we will talk again very soon. Thank you very much.